Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. He's going to burn up with unquenchable fire. You need to understand, and hopefully you do, John's not talking that Jesus is going to become a wheat farmer, okay? That's not what he's saying. This is, again, a, uh, a, a proverb. It's an illustration of what Christ is going to do. The wheat are those who truly came to him. The chaff were those that, again, were not his. And uh, again, that idea, that thought, they're going to be burned up with unquenchable fire. The one that comes to Christ receives that baptism of repentance. You need to understand, that's a physical act of our choice. What does it mean when God says He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff? And is that something we need to be concerned about? In today's program, we'll endeavor to understand what the Lord wanted us to know about this powerful truth. According to Pastor David, when God says He's going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, He's not talking about what He plans to do to believers. But the fire is meant for the unbelieving who refuse to repent from their sin. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Discerning the Time. Have you ever gotten into a conversation without paying the full price? You know what I mean? You got into the conversation kind of cheap. The conversation had been going for a while and suddenly you come in to the conversation. You're like the third person that comes in and they're talking and you want to sound intelligent and so you add a little bit to the conversation and the other people turn around and look at you like you've just fallen off the moon because you're not really in the context of the conversation. Well, this morning we join right into the middle of the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples and with his followers. Now, we've been hopefully tracking along pretty good as we've gone through Luke chapter 12. That's where we're at this morning. And as we've looked at the conversation, we've dealt with it, we pulled out of it uh, some of those things, again, that impact us in our lives for today. And today we're going to look at a little bit more. And, and I'm, I'm a guy that all too often just kind of gets right in the middle of a conversation without paying the full price. But uh, today, hopefully, we'll be able to understand, we'll be able to pull the context, we'll be able to understand exactly what Jesus is speaking here as we close out the uh, 12th chapter of the book of Luke. Now, as we close out the 12th chapter, we've still got many chapters to go, but uh, let's look at it this morning. Luke chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 9. I invite you to follow along with me as I begin reading verse 49, Luke 12. Verse 49, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here and to the followers around him, and he's saying some pretty strange words at this point in time. He says, I have a baptism I 
I have to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it's accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, oh, there will be hot weather, and there it is. Hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Yes, and why? Even of yourselves do you not judge what is right. Verse 58, when you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge, the judge deliver you to the officer, the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you you have paid every last mite. Here in Luke's gospel, we we find that statement, uh, Jesus speaking He's speaking in the context, as we've seen earlier on in this, about his return. He, we looked last week about being ready for the return of the master. You remember that. And we talked about having your waist girded about. And I talked about, hey, if in those days of the robes, they had to take the robe, pull it up, and tuck it under their sash or their belt so that they were ready for action, ready for work. And to keep your lamps burning, the little personal lamps that they had that they carried around the home so, again, they could see where they were going. Keep your lamps burning. Keep your waist girded. Be prepared because your master is going to come at a time that you may not be ready for so be ready all the time for it. In those words, speaking about his return, the section that we read this morning actually falls right into it. Not only about his return, but also the impact of the kingdom's message in a present sense. What's going on today because of the work and because of the message of Christ. When taken as a whole, we understand that Jesus is speaking about the overall impact of the gospel on the world. To those who reject that message, Yeah, it's going to be judgment. But for those who receive the message and take it to heart, they commit their lives to him, they have hope in the gospel. Well, for them, not only is there hope, but in reality, we need to understand, even in the midst of that hope, there's still going to be personal struggles. There's still going to be times of division. How many of you this morning, uh, since you came to Christ, you don't have any more problems in your life? Let me see your hands. That's what I thought. Every one of us, even when we come to Christ, it doesn't mean that all the problems are done away with, but it does mean that we have someone to lift those problems to and someone to cast all of our cares upon, to know that he cares about us. We still have problems. We still have struggles in this life. These first words here that he mentions, they're only found here in Luke's record of the gospel. When he says, I came uh, to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to be baptized with and how I distressed and how distressed I am until it's accomplished. Neither Matthew nor Mark nor John and their gospel records record that, but yet it's a very powerful, and, and, and on the surface, it's kind of a confusing statement that he's making here. A lot earlier in the ministry of Jesus, you remember even as he was 
first entering into ministry and he was baptized by John the Baptist. We read about it as we've been going through Luke way back in Luke chapter 3. As Jesus was there being baptized, John the Baptist speaks in reference to Jesus and he says, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's that word fire again. I'm going to look this morning. Is there some connotation? Is there a connection with where Jesus says, man, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring fire on the earth. And I wish you were already kindled. The very exact same passage that we look at here that John spoke, John the Baptist in reference to Jesus. We find it not only in Luke, we also find it in Matthew's gospel record. Uh, again, once again, John the Baptist speaking, he says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John the Baptist here, he's speaking about three different baptisms. Number one, that baptism of repentance, which is part of his ministry. As individuals repented of their sin, they came to John the Baptist as a public declaration that, hey, I've repented of my sin. I'm desiring to follow God, and John would baptize him. You need to understand there's no saving value in the baptismal waters. What it is, it's a declaration of what's already taken place in your life. That's why as John the Baptist was baptizing, and remember the, the Pharisees came down, and John said, whoa, whoa, who warns you of the coming wrath? You go and do works of righteousness long before I'm going to baptize you. In other words, he says, there's been no change in your life. There's been no commitment truly to God in your life. You're still the same old guy as you are. Don't come and pretend that something's happening in your life when in reality it's not. You see, that baptism of repentance is because repentance had already taken place. Thus, John was baptizing at that point in time. The baptism of the Holy Spirit we speak about here that Jesus will come. He will baptize in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Again, baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is going to be something that's accomplished to the church and within the believers of the church after the death, burial, and resurrection and the ascension of Christ. We read about it first in the early chapters of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit coming down upon the church in a powerful way. We'll look at it a little bit more in a moment. Then we read about the baptism of fire. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And again, this comes following the resurrection, and we'll see that in a moment. Both Matthew chapter 3 and Luke chapter 3, with John the Baptist speaking about the ministry of Jesus, they both add the following words in dealing with this whole idea of baptism of fire. Pretty much word for word the same. They write, his, and speaking of Jesus, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So if you know anything about the, uh, the farming or the processing of the wheat, the wheat is encased within the outside shell, which they call the chaff, and there in the threshing floor, they separate the chaff from the wheat. And what John is saying, he's going to come and he's going to separate that wheat out. And then all that shell matter, that outside stuff of no value, he's going to burn up with unquenchable fire. You need to understand, and hopefully you do, John's not talking that Jesus is going to become a wheat farmer. 
okay? That's not what he's saying. This is, again, a, 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 a proverb. It's an illustration of what Christ is going to do. The wheat are those who truly came to him. The chaff were those that, again, were not his. And uh, again, that idea, that thought, they're going to be burned up with unquenchable fire. The one that comes to Christ receives that baptism of repentance. You need to understand That's a physical act of our choice. When we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and the word speaks about us then following the Lord in baptism. We believe in baptism by immersion. I believe that it's a great picture of dying to oneself in order that Christ might live in us. This is something that every believer should do in obedience to Christ and in obedience to the commands and the directions of the disciples. And if you're here today and you've made a commitment of Christ in your life sometime in the past, you know that Christ is your Savior, you know your sin is forgiven, but you haven't followed the Lord in what we call believer's baptism, I'd invite you to get in touch with us. Let us know about that. Let the office know. We do baptisms on a regular basis. Most of you have seen our little portable baptistry we haul in here. It looks just like a coffin. But isn't that the great picture? That we're dying to self to rise again in that newness of life, that whole understanding. When Jesus was baptized by John, it wasn't because he had repented of his sin. He had no sin to repent of. But it was another picture of what baptism illustrates, that idea of dying to his own will in order that the will of the Father could be lived out in and through him. The second one, this baptism with or by or of the Holy Spirit, that's a powerful thing that works and moves within the hearts and lives of believers. It's a spiritual act that's made possible by God to those that are willing. And this is something that the Lord does in our lives as that empowering work, as the anointing for ministry, as that service to God. Every believer, I want to make this clear, every believer, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you, within you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit abides within the life of every believer. Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter 1 when he says, In Christ you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And he speaks about what that sealing is about. He says it's a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You heard the message. You trusted in Christ. You were then sealed by the Holy Spirit. This sealing happens to, again, to all believers. And yet there's also a filling or a baptism of the Holy Spirit that the Bible speaks about in the New Testament. It takes place as an empowering work within the believer's life. There's a lot more that we can say on the subject, but we'll save that for a later date. But for right now, we're going to move on to that third baptism, the baptism of fire. The baptism with fire, again, is both physical and spiritual. It's an act of God in the lives of those who are disobedient. The lives of those who are disobedient. Some people say, man, I want to be baptized with the Spirit and with fire. Well, you might want to check that first. You might want to check and see what that really means. Now, granted, fire has that act of purging and cleansing, but 
in the case of what John the Baptist was speaking about, he was going to baptize with fire and that chaff is going to be burned up with unquenchable fire. You need to understand that speaks a lot about judgment. In the context of what John said, he's going to come, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You need to understand that the fire that's mentioned, that deals with judgment. For the Jewish nation as a whole, fire was a symbol of judgment. You need to understand that. Now, fire, as I said, it can purge, it can purify, but in the context of what John the Baptist declared, Jesus bringing a baptism with fire is for total destruction. Now, in the context of what Jesus declares now back in Luke 12, where we're at this morning, he says, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I believe he's speaking directly there of the impact of the gospel following that coming of the Holy Spirit and the final judgment that's going to be taking place. I think part of that is a purging. It's a judging. This is going to remove all the falseness, all the lies that were filling all of the, uh, the, the religious situation of his day and our day, a purging. But it does also include judgment. We look around during the time of Jesus, the Pharisees and the religious structure of that day. Man, it needed to be cleaned out. It needed to be changed because, again, there was such, uh, such falseness there, so many uh, additions that were there that truly weren't of God. It needed to be cleansed. It needed to be purified. It needed to be purged. We look at the church today. Do you think that there still needs to be purging done in the church today? Shake your head like this. Okay. Because it does. There's a lot of falseness within the church today. There's a lot of people that are getting ripped off within the church today. There's a lot of things that are done today in the name of the church or in the name of Jesus that have absolutely nothing to do with Jesus' will or purpose or direction, nor the purpose or direction of what the church ought to be. Yeah, we do need purging. As a matter of fact, the word says that when judgment comes, it begins where first, church? begins in the house of God first, begins here first. The other thing we need to understand is he's speaking these things. He, he knows that there's much more that's going to be taking place, much more than he's going to be able to do in the time that's allotted yet to him. He's, at this point in time, as we look in Luke, it's only a few days before he gets arrested and tried and crucified. But the ministry of Jesus has to go on. Up until that time, the ministry of Jesus had only been in the area of Galilee and Samaria and down in Judea. But you know, after his death, burial, and resurrection, guess what? The message of the kingdom explodes around the world at that point in time. And granted, much of that explosion is due to the persecution. They came to the disciples and the followers of Jesus began persecuting them. They got out of town. It wasn't a heart's desire to spread the gospel. No, they got out of town to save their own skin. Now, later on, they sent out missionary folks as they went out and began churches. We read this uh, of Peter. We read of Paul. We read of uh, a multitude of others that have gone out and started the message and the hope and the work of the gospel were spread. Jesus was limited during his time to only those places that he could physically be. But after his resurrection, after the empowering work of the Holy Spirit within the lives of the disciples, then the gospel message spread. The hope of the gospel became known throughout that world at that time. So Jesus recognized that before that baptism of the Holy Spirit, before that fire could fully come, 
He had to go through his own baptism. He had to go through what he says here, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it's accomplished. Jesus fully understood what lay before him in just a few days. He knew that prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit and the empowering work of the Holy Spirit within the lives of the disciples and the spreading of the gospel, he, there first had to be the resurrection. And prior to the resurrection, there would have to be his death and burial. And prior to his death and burial, there had to be the arrest, the trial, and the crucifixion. All of that he had to go through. And beloved, that's a baptism of the greatest pain and suffering imaginable. Not only the physical pain and suffering, but the spiritual pain and suffering that he went through in the midst of that as he took upon himself, the one who knew no sin, took upon himself the sin of the entire world. And for that moment of time, he and the Father are separated as he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of the sin of the world. All of that was part of that baptism that Jesus says, man, I, I got to go through this, and I am so distressed right now until that's all accomplished. It's the same baptism that Jesus spoke about to the two brothers. You remember James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They also had another name, didn't they, church? What else were they called? The sons of thunder. Why? Because I think that's just the way they came about. That's the way they entered the room. Oh, there's James and John, and just who they were. Remember, we, we saw earlier in Luke, as we've looked through this gospel record, that point in time in the ministry of Jesus, they were walking down the road, and John and James come running up to the side of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, we've got this great plan. How about me and John being on your right and left when you go into your kingdom? Doesn't that sound like a great plan? One of the other gospel records says, no, it's their mom that came up and said, as a good Jewish mom, you know, wanted to make a good place for her boys, and says, hey, how about putting my sons to sit on your right and on your left of your throne? We understand all that. Well, Jesus wanted them to understand, man, you have no clue, really, what you're asking. Now, he, he told him, he said, if you want that position, are you willing and able to drink from the cup I have to drink? And to be baptized with the baptism, I must be baptized with. Now, up until that point, the only baptism they knew was John's baptism. Well, sure, we can get in the water. They had no idea what was really going on. And they ignorantly responded to the Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Not a problem. And although James and John suffered again in their death, they didn't go through the fullness of the suffering that Jesus went through. James was beheaded by Herod in the early stages of the church. Just at the very beginning of the birth of the church, James was beheaded. His brother John, though, he lived to be an old man. He was exiled on, on the Isle of Patmos, but uh, he lived to be an old man. He wrote the, the gospel according to John. He wrote the three letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote the book of Revelation. He suffered, though, greatly for the Lord. Tertullian, a Christian writer of the year around 150 A.D., he wrote that John was banished to Patmos after being plunged into boiling oil in Rome and suffering nothing from it. Tertullian writes that it said that all in the audience of the Colosseum were converted to Christianity upon witnessing that miracle.
hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.